today on the Tearsheet Podcast. We today, for example, uh, are able to collect payments in more than 1,000 different payment methods across the globe, from cash points in Bolivia to bank transfers in Indonesia to cards in Europe. There are thousands of ways that consumers pay today and we're able to basically uh, connect to these uh, capabilities and, and offer them through our API. In the same way, we're able to disburse money in more than 100 countries across the globe from local bank transfers to local cash points to pushing money to local wallets like Alipay, WeChat, Grab, or whatever it is, we do it. And we're able to issue Visa and MasterCard cards on top of our platform in 35 different countries from Visa, from Mexico, uh, Brazil, Singapore, the UK, the European Union. It's a very large operation on completely global scale. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. Rapid is an embedded finance platform that's gone global from day one. The company is expanding rapidly. Joining me on the podcast is co-founder and CEO, Arik Stillman, who shares exactly how quickly the firm has been growing and the news that the company has just closed a $300 million investment round with its eye on an eventual IPO. Arik Stillman is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. My name is Arik Stillman, and I'm the CEO and one of the co-founders of Rapid, a fintech as a service platform. Great. And so I, you know, we've heard from from Eric, I guess the the managing director of the Americas, a little bit um, as as one of the co-founders and CEO. Can you talk about the vision for the company? Sure. So you know, this company actually was founded in 2016, and it was supposed to be something else. So. <laughs> We were three guys coming from a cloud computing startup that we sold. And by accident, we stumbled into uh, payments, right? Mm-hmm. Not FinTech or payments people. We wanted to build a consumer-facing uh, wallet platform that will compete with PayPal. And with no knowledge in FinTech or payments, uh, we, we started to, to try and build something out. And then we stumbled into every single problem that exists on planet Earth that is related to building a payment or a fintech solution for consumers. Mm -hmm. Because suddenly you need to get regulated, you need to build a lot of infrastructure for moving money in, money out, doing compliance, KYC. And, you know, seven months into this venture, we suddenly figure out that we spend 90% of our time building infrastructure that probably all the other companies that are in this business already built in the past. Mm-hmm. And it was surprising for us to figure out that in fintech, there are no infrastructure providers. Everything in the company is rebuilding the same thing from scratch again and again. So we thought it would be a good idea to pivot our original idea of consumer payments into a type of an AWS for fintech, basically an infrastructure that other companies can come and build on top of that infrastructure, their own consumer facing products. And this is how rapid as it is today was born. We basically decided we want to be the AWS of the fintech space, build a global financial infrastructure for other tech companies to build on top of. And, you know, today we are probably the number one company in this space, providing a global infrastructure for collecting money, disbursing money, storing money in custody and issuing cards in more than 105 countries across the globe. So that's something that I thought was really interesting about you guys, that it, it seemed like whether it's from the beginning or soon after the beginning, you, your, your intention was to go global very early. Um, is that true? Yes. So our intention from day one was to go global. And this is also one of the main reasons why uh, not even a single venture capital in Israel was willing to invest in us. Hmm. Because every single fund we approached told us that the idea is too complicated, too big and impossible to achieve. And we should think about doing something in a smaller scale, maybe start in one country and then figure out what we want to do. 
uh, we thought it is wrong. We thought that you know, if you're not trying to build a global play from day one for an infrastructure provider, it will never scale. And we were right, uh, apparently. Um, so when you say that um, you're number one in what 105 countries or something, can you give us a, a, a sense of the scale that you guys have achieved? Sure. So you know, we we today, for example, uh, are able to collect payments in more than 1,000 different payment methods across the globe, from cash points in Bolivia to bank transfers in Indonesia to cards in Europe. There are thousands of ways that consumers pay today, and we're able to basically uh, connect to these uh, capabilities and, and offer them through our API. In the same way, we're able to disburse money in more than 100 countries across the globe from local bank transfers to local cash points to pushing money to local wallets like Alipay, WeChat, Grab, or whatever it is, we do it. And we're able to issue Visa and MasterCard cards on top of our platform in 35 different countries from Visa, from Mexico, uh, Brazil, Singapore, the UK, the European Union. It's a very large operation on completely global scale. We process uh, five plus uh, billion dollars, uh, you know, on a yearly basis in 2020, more than uh, quadrupling the number from you know the previous year, uh, and the revenue run rate is above 100 million. So the, it's a very high-paced company. Yeah, it's incredible scale. How quickly you've grown it. Um, I assume you saw the the SoFi Galileo news that they were going public last week. Um, yes. Is that an intention of yours to take the company public at a certain point? So yeah, so we definitely, this round is basically a round that, that shows to the market that we're going public. Uh, when you raise $300 million plus and you have seven, seven, more than 100 more in your bank account, which means that you almost have half a billion dollars in your bank account, uh, it means that this is a long-term company. We're going to do M&A, we're going to continue and grow organically. And the goal is to take this company public uh, probably two years from now maybe a little bit later. Uh, we could have gone public already now because the market is super hot and we got mm -hmm. approached by every single investment banker, every single SPAC that exists on planet Earth wanted to take us public. Uh, but we think that still we're, you know, we, we want to be in the growth stage and not become restricted uh, with reporting like a publicly traded company. So it will take another couple of years, but definitely we're going to be in the tens of billions of dollars when we go public. So, so this $300 million round, obviously a big round, growth round, pre-IPO type round. Um, did some of those Israeli investors that pass on you the first time, did they come in this time? They wish. We didn't allow them. <laughs> yeah. um, so I tell us what you're going to use that money for. I mean, you say close to uh, half a billion in the bank. Um, obviously, gl the global infrastructure is important, but uh, new products, like well, what, what, do you, what, do you, what are you going to use that money for? So there, there are two uses for the funds, right? First of all, uh, something like 40% of the money is going to go to M&A. Uh, we've done a very successful M&A in the beginning of 2020, and we want to replicate it in 21 and 22 with some larger scale M&As. So probably like 40% of the funds will go into M&A activities. Uh, the rest is going to go into you know, expanding our uh, infrastructure by adding uh, probably 3x more R&D resources uh, into the company and a lot of marketing because COVID basically changed our marketing and sales model. Before COVID, we were mainly focused on enterprise sales, which is basically salespeople that knock on the doors mm -hmm. of companies and convince them to go and buy rapid. Uh, but at the end of the day, COVID changed this uh, because there is no real face-to-face no -face interaction. The model changed mainly to uh, online acquisition of merchants with online marketing and self-service onboarding, a little bit more similar to the Stripe model. Mm -hmm. And this is a model that uh, we like very much because you put in money into a marketing machine that generates very quickly back clients and PPV and revenue. 
So a lot of money is going to go into this uh, uh, online marketing activities. So, so I get the marketing operations. I want to go back to the acquisition. Um, when you're looking for acquisitions, was the one in 2020 a product acquisition? Was it a geographic acquisition? What, what are you looking for as it you was, that way? So we, we operate in three different regions, right? MIA, which is mainly European Union, but also additional countries, uh, APAC, and uh, the Americas, which covers the US and Latin America. In every single one of these regions, we look for a different type of acquisition. Uh, the acquisition in 2020 was a combination of a, a tactical acquisition that we wanted to basically become a, an acquirer of Visa and MasterCard directly to basically mm-hmm. be the first-hand acquirer. Uh, so we were looking for a company that, that is an acquirer and we found a company in the European Union, but we actually got two in the price of one because we bought a mature company that also had significant uh, client base. Mm-hmm. So in Europe, it's, it's mainly buying more client base uh, that we can switch to our technology and become, you know, become much more efficient in the way that we process the payments and much more profitable and expand the business. That's the, mainly the EMEA side of the acquisition. In Latin America, the acquisition target is mainly Brazilian companies. We are looking to double down into Brazil. We believe in the Brazilian market. We have a very fast-paced growing operations there, but we want to become a very big player there. And we understand that there are only two ways to do it, either buy a significant asset there that already has significant number of people on the ground and operations, or to wait five years until we build it out. We are not very patient as Israelis, as you can understand. So we prefer to buy it uh, and just move on. Uh, so that's the Latin America angle. In Asia Pacific, it's going to be more a tactical asset of buying uh, regulatory licenses because the amount of time that it takes basically to get licensed for payments or you know, remittance or any type of other regulatory license that you might need in some countries in Asia Pacific, uh, we figured out that buying the licenses and, and basically through these licenses, being able to offer our services is going to be a much smarter play for us. That makes a lot of sense. So I, I want to talk about the product pipeline. Um, do you feel like the products you have in the market, I guess there's four different like overarching products. Do you, do you think that you have sort of the, it's mature and you're, and you're just focusing on, on, on I guess, perfecting those? Or are, are there new products that you're thinking about as well? No, there are a lot of new products that we are thinking about offering. So we are going to go into things like logistics as a service, basically mm-hmm. expanding the payment experience that we offer to our merchants also to do the fulfillment and the shipping through some partnership that we're doing. We're going to go into uh, the working capital loan space because some of the merchants that we have are looking for cash advance, basically, uh, for their business. Uh, and, you know, there, there are a lot of other elements of open banking in PSD2 in the European Union that we're probably going to, to launch as initiatives. So that there are quite a lot of exciting things that are going to happen. And do you do things like lending, like merchant cash advance? Would you do that through a partner or would you guys put that on your balance sheet? Uh, First stage is definitely going to be through partners that, that have the expertise. We're more looking into building a type of a marketplace of plugins that other companies can come in on top of our platform and basically offer these capabilities uh, on top of Rapid. Uh, if we will think that you know something should become our core business, we probably will go into it. But at the current stage, we believe more in companies that are specializing it and you know they have these capabilities. Got it. And what, what keeps you up at night? mainly recruitment uh, at the end of the day and the lack of ability of travel, right? Recruitment yeah. of employees is a very big challenge, especially when you need to scale up very quickly the team. And uh, Have you been doing that all virtually through this past year? No, we, we've been working uh, 
we've been actually working uh, from the office, at least in mm -hmm. the Israeli office, mainly from the office. Uh, the US office has been closed, but the Singaporean office has been open also. Uh, but, you know, the lack of travel because because of the fact that our management team is global, the lack of travel is really becoming a pain for us uh, because the communication over Zoom and the overlapping mm -hmm. specific hours of the day is very complicated uh, for us. And we, you know, in the first three, four months, it was okay. And the current stage is already becoming, you know, uh, much more painful. And, but I hope that very soon uh, it will be resolved. I think that the recruitment element is probably the biggest challenge that we're going to stumble into because when you need to recruit 100 engineers, in six to eight months in a market like Israel, it's almost mission impossible. Uh, and this is really going to keep me up uh, at night. And uh, as you're recruiting new people, uh, do they find, do, are you finding that the potential recruits um, have, a, have a concept of FinTech as a service or embedded finance? Uh, did they, does that excite them? Is, it, is that concept more mature in the marketplace now that you're, you're here where you are now? So yeah, so financial infrastructure is very, a very hot thing today. You hear a lot of companies, you know, when we started to talk about uh, fintech as a service and fintech infrastructure, everybody thought that we're crazy. Suddenly now you see like mushrooms after the rain, banking as a service providers. What is banking as a service? Banking as a service is financial infrastructure, right? So it became a very hot space and uh, it's much easier to recruit people and to explain to potential clients or potential employees, what, what do we do? And we'd like to end our conversation interviews with, um, I guess, a look forward. Um, what are your biggest audacious goals? You talked about the challenges in terms of scaling up in terms of human capital talent. Um, what are your biggest goals for this upcoming year? For the upcoming year, it's two things. First of all, we want to at least triple our revenue in TPV, uh, which is a super aggressive uh, thing. And, uh, but we're 100% focused on that. Uh, mainly, you know, being able to onboard clients as fast as possible and convert them into uh, TPV and revenue. And the second thing is to to be able to recruit the the people that we want. Right? These these are the two things that we we'll really focus on in 2021. Well, congratulations on the fundraise, Arik. Thanks for joining us on the Tershi podcast today. No problem. Thank you very much for having me.